Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that. Just like that. The final hours here, Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Unwithrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our broadcast location each and every day with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A lot to get to over the course of the next hour. Uh, t- this afternoon, we've got Kurt Schilling. He'll join us in 20 minutes. We'll break down what has been a positively boring postseason uh, with the domination by one side, not the other. And we'll preview what his top pick would be for the, the that World is what Series. you call a sales pitch right there <clears throat> we will break down this absolutely boring well wait, part <laughs> Major of it, League baseball postseason well, he's got, coming up he's got big opinions on uh max scherzer and others so uh, i hope i hope he'll bring so. it he'll bring it i don't have big opinions on what's happening right now so i'm relying on kurt to bring the big opinions to us you know who brings the opinion and the, the energy as always is danny Cannell. college football not boring right now no, that, no. that's the good news for yeah, our next uh, guest ratings are up in a, in a big way. Uh, you can say that about uh, Danny's shows as well. Dusty and Danny, Series XM Channel 84, weekdays uh, 6 to 9 a.m. Plus uh, the Cover 3 pod, which is excellent, goes live each and every day at 11. Danny Cannell joins us courtesy of Bet Online. You can check out betonline.net for updated college football playoff conference Heisman and college football week eight lines. Danny, what's up, man? How are you? I am fantastic. I'm just marveling at technology that can blur the background here yeah. behind me. Like yes. I'm usually at home in like the home studio and it's kind of it's kind of freaking me out because it feels like the movie Total Recall. Yeah. You guys remember that with Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of that like it's just a weird vibe going on right now, but I'm straight from the golf course. And I'm fired up to talk to you guys, so we'll just make it happen. We'll make it work. I think back on that movie and I remember liking it as a kid when I watched it. Uh, and also not knowing what it's about at all. Like just thinking back now, thinking, what was the plot of that movie? I really have no idea, but uh, it was definitely a good one. So I, I like the recall of Total Recall there, Danny. Yeah, definitely. The uh, the woman that had an additional breast, do you yes. remember that scene? That's, that, I, one, that one might have scarred me for life. I don't know, because I think I was young when it came out, but that's, that's the lasting image from Total Recall. Literally the only thing I remember <laughs> about that film was what you just yep. referenced right there. That, that's my memory of it as well. Scarred us all. Yep. Uh, Danny, yep. the, the, uh, the plot line for the Big Ten, we finally get to, to get to see the, the top teams face off starting this weekend with Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, it, the, the conversation with us has been for Penn State and James Franklin in the makeup of this defense, if not now, when? Because – the top of college football for for in large part is down a bit it's it's still good there's parity but it's not as dominant as as one would expect at least we haven't seen michigan face off against some top talent what do you make of the matchup and is penn state ready for this moment i totally agree with the assessment uh if not now when for a, for a couple different reasons one You've got your defense is one of the best defenses in the country. You've got a quarterback that for the first time feels like he's a difference maker. Now we haven't seen that version of drew Aller yet, but 
He's been as good as advertised, I think, to this point. He hasn't been tested quite yet. And then on the flip side, Ohio State just feels vulnerable, right? I know they've taken care of business, but they just haven't looked the same way that they have in the years past when they have this explosive offense, which hasn't been as explosive. They've been kept in check uh, for the most part uh, this season. Kyle McCord, first-year starter, like, He's he made the one nice drive against Notre Dame, which was great. And he's playing good, but he's not clearly ready or he's not now at the same level of play where CJ Stroud and Justin Fields had this offense. So Ohio State feels vulnerable. And I say that, of course, on a scale of Ohio State, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Where, you know, so I don't want to like I, I can just hear Buckeye fans getting, what are you talking about? We're selling. They're they're not the same as they've been in the past. They might be at the end of the season. But this will go a long way of showing us what these two teams are made of. So I totally agree with you. This is the opportunity for James Franklin to get over that hump where he's had such little success against the Buckeyes. This is the opportunity where it feels like this is your moment to potentially get that win against a top 10 team on the road, which he has massively struggled against. Danny, Jimbo Fisher won a national title at your alma mater. So you're the perfect person to ask. What is going on with Jimbo Fisher? When you know the job that he did at Florida State, could you see the possible personality quirks or whatever's gone on where it just has not resonated in College Station for whatever reason? So I think, Jimbo, if you go back and look at his records and you look at his numbers, when he didn't have Jameis Winston and when he did, there's a pretty glaring difference. So I think that's been what's missing. And I I would say this is a Texas A&M problem or a – like, look at Kevin Sumlin's numbers with and without Johnny Manziel. At a program like Texas A&M, when you're trying to compete against the likes of Alabama and LSU and Auburn, you know, when they're good and all the talented teams that are in that West, that SEC West, you have to have a generational quarterback, a true difference maker in order to get it done. And I think that's what they've been lacking. I really do. And it's hard to simplify it to one position, but... This year, Connor Wegman goes down and, you know, all of a sudden they're playing with Max Johnson, who's good, but not great. And then you sort of get exposed and the margin for error is so slim in that position that you get exposed. I am truly torn of what to tell. Like if I had a a distressed Aggie fan, which feels like the entire fan base is right (laughs) now, like, what do we do? Do we move on? And if you have the luxury of having somebody that cuts a check for 76, 77 million dollars then we can have that conversation, which it feels like Bruce Feldman of Fox is reporting that they have the people that they've got the funds. If they want to make that move, they can go ahead and move off Jimbo Fisher. But is that the right move? Oh, six years in, you're getting very similar results. I am always one that's a little bit behind, a little bit late to the let's fire the coach party. I would say culture. Let's see what the rest of the season looks like. Let's see if they can get eight or nine wins. Let's see if they can get to that point. And then, ha- and then revisit the conversation. If it falls off and you see players throw in the towel and they kind of come limping in the finish and it's 7-5 or worse, then I think the writing is on the wall for you. But I would, I would just say let's see how the team kind of galvanizes. Do they rally around their head coach knowing all the pressure that he's under or do they throw in the towel? That to me is what I would be looking for. But I do – I mean, he's won championships, right? Whether he was a head coach at Florida State, assistant coach at LSU – He's won championships, so he's proven to do it. But to me, it is that he needs that quarterback to kind of put him over the hump and make up some of the deficiencies. 
Let's say Brock Bowers is out for the remainder of the regular season. Is Georgia a college football playoff team if that's the case? Without Brock Bowers? Without Brock Bowers. Yes. I think their schedule is still very manageable without him. Now, this is a player who I think you could make a case is the most valuable player of that offense for the last three years, right? Because even with Stetson Bennett, in Stetson Bennett was great the last year he was there, the second national title, but Brock Bowers has been the consistent weapon that's been on that side of the ball. So it is definitely a tough loss. But I and I, I know there's some Georgia fans that and even you know apologists that are saying, well, our schedule's looking a lot tougher now than it did at the beginning of the year. Feels eerily similar to when it felt like Kentucky was going to be a test, right? Like, ooh, Kentucky's in the top 25. They just beat the Florida Gators. And then Georgia just put their foot down and, you know, put up a 50 burger on them. And you saw the disparity. Same thing with Missouri, Ole Miss, like some of the teams that are left on their schedule. I still think uh, Georgia will be fine. So I think they're a playoff team. But where I think it hurts them the most is for the national, going for the three-peat. That's the difference. That's where I think they need uh, Brock Bowers back healthy as a weapon to get that third national championship. But I didn't think they were that with with him. So I guess, does it make a difference in the bigger scheme of things? I think it makes them a better team. But even with him, I still don't think they're a national championship team this season. Mr. ACC now, Danny Cannell. I got to yeah, ask you an ACC question. Let's go. Is it time to get serious about North Carolina as a college football playoff national championship contender? They're undefeated. Their remaining games, Virginia at home, at Georgia Tech, the Campbell Camels at home, <laughs> Duke at home, at Clemson, at NC State before a possible ACC championship game. Should we get serious about the North Carolina Tar Heels possibly going on a college football playoff run? Yes, I think so. Uh, their schedule, as you mentioned it, I think they'll be favored in every game down the stretch. And one of the most important factors that, you know, is, is why I believe this is because Drake may is that guy, like it's Caleb Williams. And it's interesting because what happened against, uh, against for USC against Notre Dame, the three interception performance from Caleb Williams. I'll be very curious to see if that changes any of the narrative. And I felt, guilty of this too like oh it's Caleb Williams and then there's a gap I, I'm mad at myself for falling to that because a lot of the weaker competition he's faced and he is special I still think he's one but I think Drake May is making the case for one B and that he is in that same conversation that the, the, the debate should be very deep about just who's going to have the better NFL career so you've got him you added Tez Walker after they already got through the first month of the season against some pretty tricky opponents in South Carolina, Minnesota, Pitt. Like they made it through a pretty tough gauntlet. And not only did they make it through it, they're the only team in the country that's made it through five or you know, consecutive five power five conference opponents in a row, winning by two touchdowns or more. Like they have been dominating those opponents in those power five matchups. And their defense is better. Like they're not world beaters, but Gene Chizik in year two has improved on the defensive side of the ball as they was evidence in the second half of that game against Miami. So yes, I do think they are a playoff contender. And if somebody that means they'd have to go through Florida state, but I think they'd be a really good matchup for Florida state. And I think they could beat Florida state. Would I say it's, you know, it's probably three or four times out of 10. I think Florida state would have the advantage. I think Florida state would be the favorite, but I think North Carolina absolutely is capable of beating Florida state.
Florida State, a uh, 14.5-point favorite uh, this weekend against Duke. Uh, Danny Cannell with us. I'm curious from, from the FSU perspective, where would – and there's a lot of football to be played, six games left on the schedule uh, before the conference championship. Where would the ACC champion rank with the other champions from the conferences? Because I, I feel like this year more than ever, the conference championship games are going to carry a lot of weight. Who's the one conference champion – that you worry about the most that could either jump FSU or keep FSU at five and not four? That's a good question. Um, I think like usual, I think it'll work itself out where we won't have that type of, you know, if there's five undefeateds, you know, but I think there's a very good possibility you could see, you know, a few one loss teams in this conversation. Yep. I think the resume for Florida State and the fact that they played LSU and beat them. So this is where as a Florida State guy gets weird and is a, you know, an SEC antagonist. I have to kind of root for LSU to be good, right? Even though I like usually want them to lose, like everybody (laughs) lose in the SEC, but I need them to, to win and to look good. And if you're a Florida State fan, you should do the same. They also have the win against Clemson. To your question, I think probably the Pac-12, because I think, I mean, I'd love to sit here and say the SEC is vulnerable vulnerable of missing out. Like if Georgia lost in Knoxville and found some way to win the SEC again as a one-loss champ, I I think their resume would be weak, but I know the perception of the SEC. I think the one, you know, any SEC champion is in. Same with the Big Ten. I think any uh, Big Ten champion is in. Um, Same with the Big 12. Like I feel like a Big 12 team, Oklahoma or Texas – I think if you compared those two, I'd rather be comparing to Oklahoma's resume than Texas's yep, yep. because they beat, you know, they beat Alabama on the road. Like that's a really good win. So I'd say those ones make me nervous. The Pac-12, as good as they look now, I think that's the conference that's going to le- get left out. I hate saying that. We just saw Washington look the part, but they still have a pretty tough gauntlet. And I think they could slip up and I think they'd have to play Oregon again. I just think Oregon could lose. Like, I still think the Pac-12, you're going to see them start to cannibalize one another down the home stretch. But it does feel like we're going to have some really tough debates coming down the stretch, which makes me, if I was talking to Mike Norvell in Florida State, I would say don't leave any doubt. Run the table. Go undefeated. Because if you're an undefeated ACC, you don't have to worry about anything. If you're a one loss, you don't want to have to have these debates. You've got real football adversity now for Colorado, I I think, for the first time. Losing at Oregon is one thing. People expected that. No one expected them to lose at home to Stanford, much less blow a 29-point halftime lead in that game. What do you expect from Deion Sanders in Colorado the rest of the way? Man, I think this is going to get really interesting. I think it's going to get dicey, and I think adversity reveals true character. And we'll find out the character of this team. You saw some of that adversity – in the second half of the Stanford game, when the defensive coordinator, Charles Kelly, screaming at the top of his lungs, he gets a, you know, he got a 15-yard penalty on him for yelling and screaming. Got a technical you foul, play- basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You saw players pointing at each other, yelling at each other, talking, you know, yelling at Coach Sanders. Now, I think, is that the worst case? No, because I think we've seen that before. What I do think will reveal the characters, you know, how they rally, how they win. I mean, they're going to be underdogs against every opponent except maybe Arizona at home. And that, to me, seems like the must-win game. And here's the thing. Shadour's been awesome. Arizona has played Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, 
and uh, Cam Ward, the quarterback at Washington State. Those three quarterbacks combined have 57 uh, passing touchdowns. Arizona held them to one combined. Like they are a good defense, which I think they can shut down Shadour and company, or at least hold them in check. And everybody and their brother has been able to score on Colorado's defense. So I think there is a, like, if you said, is there a greater chance that they'll get to seven wins or lose out and be a four win team? I would say there's a greater chance they lose out and they're four and eight, which all I kept thinking, and this was kind of like, I've been pegged as this Dion hater. I think he's done a great job. I don't have any problem with Dion. I don't have any problem with Shador or Shiloh. My problem was really with Dion's son who came at me like for, for questioning them and criticizing them and the bandwagon Colorado fans who are obnoxious. It's like, they've never watched college football. So they really believe that this, you know, you got to believe that this was a PAC 12 champion. That was never the case and never should have been the conversation. And yet it was forced to that place. And so like I, the, all the celebrating of this is going to be a, this is already a success. I mean, how many times did you guys hear that? This is already a success because they beat TCU. I would say, wait and see how this thing plays out. If it's four and eight, are we sure it was a success? Like everybody thought it was, I mean, we have to see that play out and I don't know, but I thought we got way out of our skis with the Colorado conversation early because of the hype train, the attention, which was fun and it's good for college football, but we've seen this story unfold a zillion times in college football as well. Remember when Mississippi state was number one in the playoff poll, you know, like we, like we've seen teams overhyped and excited, which is fun but like you have to realize the reality of the situation that Colorado is very much in a rebuild year. Danny Cannell has been our guest, courtesy of betonline.net. Check out all the college football week eight lines and much more there. Uh, thanks so much, Danny. We always enjoy this, even live from the golf course, man. Yes. It almost feels more like back to the future when Michael J. Fox's <laughs> hand kept going in and out. Remember yeah. when the history was wrong? Yeah. yeah. So that's Changing what it history. feels like. Yep. But you guys are the best, man. Yeah. Always Thanks, love Danny. coming on. Appreciate you so much. Same right. here. Love having you. See ya. There's Danny Cannell. Uh, stay tuned. We've got Kurt Schilling just around the corner. Hot Mike with Ed and Withrow rolls on. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sixth and Peabody are located with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow rolls on across We're back, the Outkick baby. Network. We are back. You know who else is back? Kurt Schilling. There he is. Is back. He joins us. You can check out the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show at Outkick.com. Kurt, great to have you back, man. I hope things are well. It's been too long, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, but wonderful. Wonderful. Hope Good. the same is for Good. you. Uh, playoff, yep. Playoffs have been great uh, based on what we saw in the regular season. Uh, and we get now the Rangers... And uh, a look at Max Scherzer, who returns to the mound. I know you've been critical in the past of his ability in, in clutch moments, at big moments, spotlight moments. What do you make of the return coming back from the injury? 
Well, I think uh, I, 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 I haven't been critical, I think, as much about his big spot moments as, as I have been about his availability. Okay. You know, the, 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 you know, the stiff neck and the, the tired arm and stuff. And, and, you know, it, it's always a challenge to talk about or question somebody's physical injuries or, or, or capabilities. I mean, he's the first ballot hall of famer, no doubt. And, and, you know, I love to watch him pitch, but, you know, uh, October's, I always felt like a month of, of no condition. It doesn't matter uh, unless you're crippled or unless you're broken, uh, you play. And, and, you know, there's been a couple of times in the past where he hasn't taken the ball because of a stiff neck and, you know, and, and I can identify with all of the things he's done and talked about as far as those things go, but you're talking about, a uh, uh, so, so a couple things, October, there's no kind of settle in period for a starter. And that, you know, you go out and feel your way through the fur, the, the winning runs on at the plate when the game starts. I mean, that's the way I always looked at an October start because listen, I'm not going to give up any runs. And if I give up one, that's it kind of mentality. And, and, you know, he's had his moments in October and he could certainly have his moments tonight. I don't know. I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what the leash is going to be. They're up 2-0. So that's going to definitely put, put the manager in a very different situation as far as how much rope he lets him have. Um, but I'll be curious to see, cause I, I don't expect him to be sharp, but he may come out and be as sharp as he's ever been. You know, October really changes the way people act and react. And so, and, and you've got a team that's literally a cornered rat. They've got, they're down two Oh, they go down three Oh for the most part, you know, it, it, it's over. They're not the Oh four Red Sox. Um, so it'll be. I'll be curious to see. I have no, literally, no idea what to expect. Speaking of the 04 Red Sox, we just passed or surpassed the 19-year anniversary of your Game Six performance that forced the Game Seven winner take all. Uh, whenever you pitched on the 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 dislocated ankle tendon, um, and what was it? One one run allowed on seven innings. Is that right? Yeah. And you mentioned the yeah, damn two zero fastball to Posada. Okay. Or Bernie Williams. <laughs> When it left your hand, what'd you think? Home run. Oh, <laughs> playing in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I, I, believe it or not, more time. And I gave up a lot of them. You, you kind of knew when the ball left your hand. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm, I'm going back to to Scherzer here, and you mentioned like if you're alive, you got to take the mound in October. How quickly, Kurt, will you know watching him on the mound if he's got it or not? How soon? How much time? Does, how much, how much time yeah. does it take the manager to figure it out? I'll, I mean, I'll have an idea probably within five to 10 pitches. It's okay. very, very easy. I mean, and, and, you know, I said the other day uh, before the Arizona Philadelphia game, you know, if you're a fan watching at home and you want to understand there's a different, there's good misses and bad misses. When, when a guy is throwing on the inside corner and the catcher is sitting there with his, let me, let me get my hand in the screen here. And the catcher is sitting yep. there with his hand like this. If you see the catcher's elbow, as he catches the ball, that's a, that's a big miss, right? Because to see the catcher's elbow, he's got to go across the plate or he's got to go this way um, with a miss though. That's kind of how I'm looking at command. You know, I, I've said, I think I've said on the show before control is the ability to throw strikes command is the ability to mani manipulate the ball inside the strike zone. You have to have command in, in October. It's why I think we've seen uh less than stellar relief pitching across the board because so many throwers are now in the bowl. It's all about velocity for bullpen guys as opposed to command. Keith Folk threw 87 miles an hour, 
but he dominated. He threw, it felt like he threw 50 innings in October, um, but he had such command of his fastball and his changeup. So I'm that's what I'm watching when I'm watching, you know, it's like watching Zach Wheeler. You knew three pitches in, Zach Wheeler was going to be electric. Um, and, and as a pitcher, you kind of see those things. So so I would tell you, just kind of watch the misses, the fastball misses more than anything. If, if he's missing, you know, when you go, I always say to, to a young pitcher, if you're going to pitch in, if you don't throw a paint strike, drill the guy in the back or break his bat, it's a useless pitch because hitters react. You know, if you get beat on an inside pitch, you change your approach to not get beat on that pitch. You're then giving away the outside corner to exploit that. You have to have command of your fastball. And I think you'll see very quickly whether he has command or if he's just kind of wild inside the strike zone. Kurt, let's, let's go back a little bit before we go forward in terms of, uh, of what's coming up in the postseason. Division series, the higher seed goes one and three over the division series. The, the topic of conversation becomes, okay, maybe time to reevaluate the five days off for some of these teams going mm-hmm. into a playoff series. Do you look at yeah. that and think that, or do you think this is what's great about the postseason uh, or that well, the lower-seeded teams can win series like this? First of all, the the break is what you make it. it, it it's what it, it's absolutely unequivocal what you make it. I mean, while this isn't the NFL and five extra days off is a godsend for a guy like Christian McCaffrey, in baseball it can be you have to understand how to do it. And and I don't care how many scrimmage games you play. I don't care if you pump crowd noise in. It's not live baseball. And so you have to, each player has to figure out how can I, you know, on Monday, how can I best be ready on Saturday? And for some guys that's, Hey, I'm going to sit on my butt for four days and rest and get my hammy, you know, up and blah, blah, blah. Other guys, you know, they want to take a thousand swings a day to keep that swing and keep that groove pitchers. Same thing, you know, throw a couple bullpens here and there. And that, you know, that speaks to experience, right? You guys, a lot of times you talk about, oh, they've never been here before. They, There are certain times where being there before actually makes a big difference and understanding you've had days off. I mean, the Dodgers have no excuse, right? They, they've won, what, nine straight division titles. They've had layoffs before. They understand how the layoffs work. This didn't shock anybody. If getting rest makes you worse, then you suck. I mean, that, that, that's, that's it. I mean, so, so it's a, I, I think that that's almost entirely mental. Um, you know, there might be, you know, five or 10 minutes of, of getting the juices flowing, but I mean, 60,000 people on their feet, your adrenaline's going, you're good to go. The be- the better team, I, I think the better team always wins in October, the better team. You've been around some special teams in your day. When you watch this Phillies team, an organization you know a lot about, do you get that same sense of yes. we're watching something special here? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, uh, I've been texting. I texted uh, Mr. Middleton, the owner, a couple times. I had a chance to get to meet him a couple months back. What a what a fantastic guy! And and it's funny to to watch what puts an owner on edge as opposed to a player. Uh, you know, he texted me the other night when it was, I think it was nothing, nothing going into the fifth of that, that first game. And I said, listen, your October players will be, they have some October players, Bryce, I think Zach Wheeler as well. Obviously Kyle Schwarber is very comfortable. Um, Castellanos is on a table. Yeah, no, all, but, but here's the thing though. I've been on teams that I felt like were teams of destiny that lost the 93 Phillies. I mean, I, I, that team, if I've ever been on a team that was a team of destiny, it was that we were supposed to win the world series because of the, how amazingly special that was. And then we played against the team of destiny in a one against the 2001 Yankees with nine 11 and the world rooting for New York. And, 
And it doesn't work that way. I mean, as much as you'd like to think the team of destiny wins, uh, it it oftentimes doesn't. Um, I just I don't know that they're a team of destiny. I just think they're a team that's not going to be denied. Their whole lineup is hitting. They've got the two things that you I think you need, which is the two the two ones. You need you got Wheeler and Nola, um, who can go seven scoreless against any lineup. Uh, the question will be, and I think it's going to be Philly and, and uh, uh, Texas. I, I, the question will be, will will the Phillies pitching be able to shut down? What is both of those are very deep lineups. If you look at, at the contributions, the bottom of the order, the, the, I got to tell you, the Texas young players are not even remotely resembling young players. They're 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 looking like stalwarts and veterans, and that that's a big thing, and it bodes well for the future. And you know, the Diamondbacks may hear this and be like, "Well, we don't buy into that," but they have to have doubt, right? They they yeah. they see it too. Meanwhile, the the Astros won't feel that doubt, knowing where they've been. You say, I "Act like you've been there before." Right. They yep. certainly have, and. The, the, the Scherzer decision may open the door for the Astros to wake up a bit, couldn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It could go the other way, right? I mean, they could knock him out in the first inning and and score six and be back in this. It's 2-1. That changes everything. I mean, this is the game, right? If, if yeah. the Astros are going to win this or have a chance to win the series, they have to win tonight, in my opinion. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks, listen, I, 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 I've been in a Diamondbacks-like clubhouse. Uh, they're, they think it's their year. You know, and, and maybe it might be. They're going to have to. They're going to have to find a, an incredibly uh, uh, rare mix of things to have happen. But they could do it. I think they have one of the three or four best players in the game in Corbin Carroll. Um, and you know, I was a little disappointed to see Gallon uh, not not answer the bell. Uh, Kelly didn't either. Uh, I, but I think that's more attributed to to the hot bats of Phillies than it is for the for those guys not doing it. But here's the thing: I would tell you, it's the same thing I told uh, on my show about Oriole to Oriole fans. And it doesn't make you feel any better, but the fact of the matter is the Diamondbacks weren't supposed to be here. They're here. They're here a year early. They, you know, I I believe they have the ability and and the capabilities to be an extended participant in postseasons going forward because I think they have tremendous young talent. But they're playing on a house money. That again, the players don't think that they they believe they're world champion caliber club, and that's what you want them to believe. But as a fan watching and looking in, you you can look around that roster and see well. You know, this this is kind of lacking and, you know, you, you got to do this. But but if you're going to come back, you got to have Gallon and Kelly throw zeros. I mean, you know, the other thing is, and I think we may see it tonight. I said I thought that Lavello overmanaged fat in his first start. I think he went into the fifth inning with 52 pitches or 49 pitches and he was shut throwing a shutout. And they kept showing Lavello and you could tell he couldn't wait to get him out of the game. And the second he gives up a hit, he runs out there and pulls him. And, and you know, that's not the normal guy you expect to succeed in October. He's a contact guy who relies on his defense. And that generally doesn't parlay into success in October. He, but he was throwing exceptional. I would be fearful of that tonight if I'm an Arizona fan, overmanaging to the point of trying to get to the bullpen really quick because we're in the fourth inning and we got a one nothing lead and he just gave up a double. Um, that was what I said at the beginning of the series. I was fearful of that being the thing that ended up getting them beat. I hope it doesn't because I want to see that game, that series go seven because those both those teams are fun to watch. Pretty remarkable run for the Astros. Seven straight ALCS appearances. Great consistency from them. Crazy to see that team. You know, you think down 0-2, losing the first two at home, it's over. But the Astros with a losing record at home throughout the yeah. season. I don't know that I've seen that before. And being that good away from Houston, something to watch now moving forward in the series. 
Well, there's no banging garbage cans for sure at home, right? That's true. I mean, yeah. That, 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 yeah. No I mean, electronic and devices also underneath No, the we joke about it, but it's going to stick with them forever. I mean, and deservedly so. But, you know, it's funny that we 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 jump on 18 innings of baseball to to talk about the status of a team. I mean, in October, you can. And, you know, these but they've won seven. They've been in seven. They, and, and this year was odd because they did it on the final day of the season. They, they've been playing playoff baseball for a month now, um, which is why if I'm an Astro fan, I'm not particularly scared or worried. I think they're going to come out and find a way tonight if I'm an Astro fan. And I think the players believe that as well. They know what they have cut out for them. The key is going to be their starter. It's Javier. They have to get solid five six seven innings out of their starter and by solid i mean six or seven one run no no run scoreless outing for them i think to to have a chance to win kurt Schilling, check out the kurt Schilling baseball show available now at outkick.com kurt uh, appreciate the visit man glad you jumped on today and uh here's hoping we get a world series that will be competitive like the regular season was i, I don't exciting. think with these four yeah I don't think with these four teams, there's, there's a possibility of anything else good. because I think you have, you have really good offenses, but you have pitching some pitching on all four clubs. that can neutralize a lineup. And, and the key is actually going out there. I, I think you're going to see a Phillies world championship and I think it'll probably end up being a six or seven game series against Texas. Good. Uh, which would be fun. Yeah. That, that's all I want is deep series. Eyeballs on the product and yep. uh, uh, the moment. You know, yeah. I want to see someone come through. That that's that's what happened this season for me. I, I'm back in on a more uh, a, a, a consistent basis than what I have been in, in yep. regular seasons. I haven't been yep. in the postseason to this point. Yeah, a lot of people are, and that's a good thing. Yep, Kurt, uh, always great to have you on, man. Thank you. Take care, guys. Always a pleasure. Same to you. Appreciate There's it, Kurt. Kurt Schilling. Again, check out the Kurt Schilling baseball show at Outkick. Uh, it definitely feels like the Phillies. It's it's their it it's their year, but it Kurt brings up a great point that two thousand one is a terrific example of boy the Yankees are going to do it, given everything around nine eleven and everything else. And he was on the Diamondbacks team that beats them in the World Series. Uh, everyone points not to the I think oh nine was the year the Phillies World Championship team. They point back to nineteen ninety three when talking about beloved Phillies teams that didn't win the World Series. So y- you never know, but. I see Bryce Harper, Castellanos. Oh, they're raking. The way these guys are playing, and then the those are some big-time clutch players. Yeah. Yep. yep. Coming up, plenty of uh, headlines to hit. We've got a trade in the NFL that involves one of the top teams in the AFC and another one trying to make the postseason. Details there. Plus, Chad with thoughts, big opinion on Clemson, and a message for Tigers fans. That's next on the Hot Mic with Hunting Withrow across the Outkick Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Our thanks to uh, you. For tuning in to Hot Mike with Hutton with Row today, Wednesday edition, jam-packed guest list today, uh, Davey Hudson and 
and company. Uh, Matt McCoy doing a great job with that. Jam-packed today, Chad. The entire crew here in Nashville. They do an excellent job uh, every single day here on the show. Love our home here at 6 and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer. And, uh, yeah, we're just, you know, plugging along. Get Chad, it done. That's right. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is optimistic about being the quarterback for the Jaguars uh, tomorrow, Thursday night football, Jacksonville at New Orleans. Jacksonville will be traveling today. Uh, Lawrence is making that trip. It's tough to not be optimistic when you have hair like that. Yeah. About everything. Not just your injury status, Uh, just life in general. Browns are not optimistic about Deshaun Watson playing this week on the road in Indy. He's saying there's no timetable for his return uh, due to uh, a rotator rotator cuff issue in his throwing shoulder. Uh, Meanwhile, Jalen Ramsey, should have mentioned this about the Jags, Jalen Ramsey back on the practice field today. And a big trade, uh, big in terms of what it could be uh, as far as impact for this offense. Mikkel Hardiman of the Jets traded back to Kansas City. The Chiefs are in dire need of help for that offense with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. They get it with a familiar teammate who jumps right back into the mix. There was a, some, some discussion, Chad, of possibly DeAndre Hopkins being on the, the trade discussions for Kansas City. Of course, He's been mentioned in KC going back to this offseason where it was thought that they were they would be in the mix for a trade for his contract. They were not. Uh, ends up that he's on the open market. You've got New England and Tennessee as the two real buyers. And now with going into week seven, uh, would they get help with Hopkins at this point? They don't, at least not yet. They get it. They get their help with a guy who knows the offense that can jump right in to the mix. And Michael Hardiman, it's a good trade for KC, and I believe it's just a swap of some late round picks, including a sixth rounder, that the Jets will get in return. That would be quite the upgrade from a postseason outlook standpoint for one. Uh, I Hopkins. Oh yeah, for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, he, he, he claimed that he he chose he wanted to go to a playoff contender again. Uh, it, we'll see. I don't know what the return on that would be for him uh, with a playoff contender, what they could give up for the Titans to, to want to make that trade by the deadline. The Titans, by the way, on a bye week in week seven. Chad, uh, Clemson fans, a message for uh, yeah. Tigers faithful right now. So, Tabo Sweeney got himself into a little bit of trouble because on his radio show, his coach's show, which this is always where the best material comes it from, is. right? Someone calls in and complains and – you get the off-the-cuff or emotional response from a coach, which is always good. Yep. Dabo Sweeney said on his radio show, quote, we're at a point in our time, and I hate that, where people, if you don't go undefeated, they'll say you're losers, you're terrible. And it's just such a terrible mindset. And honestly, maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes the bandwagon can get a little too full, talking about Clemson and the bandwagon of Clemson fans. Um, I, I, I agree with what he's saying. We are at a point in time, and I think where too many people immediately fall off the cliff and you lose a game or two, and it's, oh, everything's over. You're a loser. Your program isn't relevant, and time to move on. Uh, There's a little bit of that going around for sure. So, you know, Clemson fans are upset about this. Dabo Sweeney saying the bandwagon needs to lighten up and all. Here's what Dabo Sweeney is saying to Clemson fans. I'm going to peek into the mind of Dabo Sweeney, who understands the program that he inherited, in 2008, and the history of that program. There is a saying that is very familiar with a lot of people. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. 
This saying has been attributed to Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel himself. <laughs> I have done some research on this. Okay, good. And going to the website, quoteinvestigator.com, they have found that the actual author of this saying is Ludwig J- Jakubowski, the German poet in 1899, who in a German poem wrote, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. This is the message from Dabo Sweeney and from me right now to Clemson fans. Because, and this is going to be bracing and difficult to hear for Clemson fans, you are not what you've been since Dabo Sweeney has been there, historically. This is an outlier. This is not the rule. And I have statistics to back that up. From 1978 to 2008, and keep in mind, Danny Ford won a national title at Clemson in 1981. One of the three that you've won historically. The other two won by Dabo Sweeney himself. Those 30 years, 78 to 08, Clemson won 65% of their games. One national title. That was the best era of Clemson football in their history up to 2008. Now from 2008 to the present day, Dabo Sweeney is head coach, you've won 80% of your games, including two national titles. That 15% increase from 65% to 80% is seismic. That's gigantic. And that's what Dabo Sweeney has done. This is a great program. It's been one under Dabo Sweeney. But here is the return to what you are, Clemson. You're really good. You're not great. And that is what Dabo Sweeney is warning you about. Longtime Clemson Tiger fans understand this. If you're over the age of 40, you understand that Clemson Tiger football has been Tommy West football in the past. It's been Tommy Bowden football in the past. It has not been Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and national championships and being in the mix for a national title every year or winning every single ACC championship. It's been really good, good to really good, but not great. That's what Clemson Tiger football is historically. I think what Dabo Sweeney is saying and what I believe is that it's a return to normalcy for Clemson over the bulk of their history. It's a really good program. It's not one of the elite programs. It's not a great one. It's not one that's going to be in the mix with Nick Saban and Bama and Ohio State and Michigan and programs like this Georgia now under Kirby Smart. It's not going to be in the mix with those programs year in and year out. It can still be really good. It's an 8, 9, 10-win program a year at Clemson with good resources, good fan base, a chance to win the ACC, all of those things. But it's not nationally elite, and guess what you're not right now? Nationally elite or relevant. And Hutton, I don't see that changing anytime soon. And the fact Dabo Sweeney is saying this publicly, that maybe we should lose a few more, sounds like a guy who probably knows they're going to lose a few more this year when you look at the rest of their schedule. And and knows, but but here's the thing. Moving forward, Clemson's a part of a 12-team playoff. Um, so I don't write them off from the, the final tournament uh, year in and year out. They're not going to fall to the 13th best program in the country that, that fast. They can be on par with the 12th best team in the country. They can be. I don't think they, it's a given that they well, are. But they, they, what they are is a quarterback away from doing that. I mean, the, the dominance that Clemson and Alabama were a part of, I think we'll appreciate down the road more than we did in the moment. Because before there was Georgia, there was Clemson. And, you know, I, I, don't, 
I don't see Kirby Smart letting his program backslide. And well, here's in, in the meantime, you know, Dabo, who had a, a top three in the country program year in and year out, is now, you know, hearing about you know a handful of losses over the last couple of years and knowing that they're pointing back towards a handful of losses this year, and. The criticism is something that well, he's I, not I think used the to. pendulum has swung with this program, and I'll tell you why. I don't know how many more five-star quarterbacks they need to get it right because they it hasn't worked with the last two. DJ Ungalale didn't work out. He's much better right now at Oregon right. State after transferring. So they get rid of the Clemson-born and bred offensive coordinator, bring in Garrett Riley, and that's supposed to fix everything with another five-star guy in Cade Klubnick that everyone thought the world of, and it's not really working out no. with him. And the offensive and they coordinator. Lost their continuity. Their and that, continuity in the coaching And the staff. common denominator here is Dabo, who has been terrific been at excellent. Clemson. I'm not trying to argue that he should be in danger or anything. And I, in fact, agree with what he's saying here. I'm just, I can see the writing on the wall that this is a program in decline. They're not going to bottom out, they're going to be okay. I just think the time has passed of that window where they were, you know, from 2015 to 2021 where they were every bit as good as name any brand name in college football. It was them and Bama. And big-time coach. They were just as good as all that, those programs. Yes, that was it. And that was when Bama was the uh, going into their offensive efficiency at an all-time high. And they weren't really known for that quarterback play. And then all of a sudden, they were just rattling them off, too. And so was Clemson. Um, and I look at it from this angle, too, for Dabo. Um, the, the five stars... Don't pan out. They didn't pan out for Georgia either. But when you get that guy, you've got to hit on that guy. When you make a quarterback decision that they did, you've got to make sure it's the right one when you turn it over to said player. It could be Klubnik or anyone moving forward. And when you turn it over to him, you can't lean back on the whole, you know, we're anti-transfer, we're anti-you going on another visit once you verbally commit. you got to embrace that to stay where you are. I think that's really the mentality to flip – and engage back. And Chad, I think in large part too, I think a lot of the top tier programs are feeling a certain sentiment closer to Davo Swindy than we realize. Yeah. Saban, Kirby Smart, even life after Stetson Bennett, and now life without Brock Bowers uh, for what is a, a solid team. They're trying to run the table so they're guaranteed a playoff spot. As crazy as that sounds. Well, I'm waiting for this parody to, to bite Kirby Smart in Georgia. They've come close to it, but they haven't lost the game yet. I, I, I think, think you, that I this think is what, could, though. if you want to point to NIL and Transfer Portal being uh, this great thing for college football, I do think that it is. there's more coaches like Dabo and Saban coming out and saying, hey, you can't brand us a loser because we lose a game anymore. Right. And the reason for that is, it, it, it is, this is promoting more parity. It's giving some other programs a fair shake at landing some players, some veteran guys that can come in and transform a team, and it's making it harder on some of these powers Yes, to go undefeated, to run the table. To and, do and now, the again, Georgia's the one that's been immune to this so far because they're still undefeated and they've won the last two national titles. But I, I think there's some truth to that. And, and I think also because of the years and years of success with Alabama, Ohio State to an extent, you know, uh, Clemson, that a loss feels so debilitating because it's so rare. For some of these programs, it's crippling because you haven't dealt with that feeling, right? Yeah, Chad. Let's uh, let's wrap up the show with a fair foul, and I don't even know if it's fair to call this fair or foul because I I think this is glorious. 
uh, the Notre Dame fan running onto the field post game and holding down his uh, four fingers and saying, "How about these? How about your nails now, bro? Let me say these nails now, bro." To Caleb Williams. To Caleb Williams, who last year on he paints his nails every week. He's been doing that since high school. Last last year on the nails, it spelled out F Notre Dame, F N D. And this year, well, the fan gets uh, the glorious, glorious response. And the, the detail and planning for this guy uh, while he's filming this on his phone is fantastic. And what? if you're Williams, just sit there and take it. Let me see those nails down, bro. Let me see those nails down, bro. Come on. Get out of here, man. Ah! We did it. We did it. <laughs> Absolutely one of, fair. One of the new funniest things in the world are college kids running on a field and the bouncing that happens as oh. they're filming themselves in a full sprint after charging the field. I can't get enough of it. The old Miss kid who gets decked by oh. the LSU player, hilarious. And then what he yells the players he's running <laughs> off. Amazing for a guy that's just been face planted to the ground. This kid gets all the accolades. Yes. This is a thousand percent fair. Nothing foul about this. If Caleb Williams hadn't done that the year before, yes. it would be foul. To well, go and get no his face to. and to bump up to him and do all that, to start talking tra- foul of the kid to do that, just let him get off the field. Yeah. And you don't have to get in his face and film him and do all that. But the fact that he put FND on his nails, him coming back a year later, remembering it, and saying, what about those nails now, and bro? beating down the I Trojans. Mean, chef's kiss yeah. to this kid. I want to track him down. I want to get him on Bravo. hot mic. Not only is it fair, it's a young man that I want to interview, uh, possibly for a job. I wouldn't mind hiring this kid because that level of bitterness mixed with pettiness is what I seek in college football fans. It's our Well vibe. done, sir. It's well what, done. Yeah. It's what we're into. We bang hats. That guy bangs hats. I love that he not only just sprint, he found him. He found Caleb Williams he so did. quick. He got past security. It's great. We'll bang hats again tomorrow, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern for Hot Mike with Honey Withrow across the Outkick Network.